At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-course, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's and what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From day one, Carrie, I knew it was a mistake. I broke out. My face was covered in bumps. My hair started thinning and falling out. Um, and I knew the first day I had made a mistake. But it wasn't until 9-11 when the Twin Towers were hit that year while I was sitting in class that I said, all right, I got to live. Those were the wise words of my girl, um, a leader in very many ways, a visionary, Valicia Butterfield-Jones, co-president at the Recording Academy. Enjoy this edition of Naked. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. 
Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. Can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In a world where vulnerable, considered weak. 
Come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific Life-altering events to shape the person that you hear We got a champion and carry champion Hey girl, you did it It's the greatest in sports and entertainment Connecting with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion Got a champion and carry champion Hey girl, you did it Got a champion and carry champion and carry You all know, before I jump or dive rather into today's guest, which is a really good friend of mine who I love and admire, who I think is super amazing in many, many ways, Valicia Butterfield-Jones. I got news and notes. News, I'm fine. Notes, take note, because I'm staying fine. Now take that. (laughs) Those are the news and notes, but you can put that in there for you. You know, this week we still are watching uh, many people deal with what I have talked about in the past few weeks, obviously Roe versus Wade being overturned. And most recently, what has been going on with the insurrectionist hearings, the January 6th hearings, and people are now realizing that the former president was crazy. And not that we didn't know that, but other people from different walks of life who may only watch Fox News are like, oh, okay, this man was crazy. (laughs) This just in, which we already knew. Uh, Nevertheless, I choose not to focus on that when I give you my news and notes. I want to talk about BET Weekend at LA. We're just coming off, uh, you know, BET Weekend here in Los Angeles, and I'm heading to Essence as I record this. And by the time you hear this, Essence, the music festival, all of it, will have come and gone, and people will talk about the weekend. I can't tell you who did an amazing job at, at the concert. I'm here for Janet Jackson. I'm here for Tim's. I'm here for New Edition. I'm here for Nikki. I mean, when I tell you this festival, and I know I'm forgetting some greats right now, but when I tell you this festival is going to be crazy, I'm too excited to be there. But more specifically, I am here because, or there rather, I get to interview one of my heroes is a woman by the name of Stacey Abrams. She will be the next governor of Georgia, and that will be a historic moment. And everybody that I know in the state of Georgia, and if you don't know somebody in the state of Georgia, Even if you kind of know somebody in the state of Georgia, let these folks know that is your next governor. So I get to interview her. Uh, I get to sit on a panel with a really good friend of mine, Tiffany Cross. Um, I am also interviewing Michael Ely and his cast uh, because he has a new movie out. And this is what I love about Essence. It's in New Orleans. It's a beautiful music festival. And if you have not been, make the trip. It is worth it. It is a celebration of who we are. It is a celebration of excellence, and it's also just a beautiful experience. I'm currently dating someone, so I can't tell you if, in fact, I might meet a boo, but, you know? (laughs) You know? Uh, Kidding, if you're listening. All right, so on to today's guest, Valicia Butterfield-Jones. She has an inspiring story. Many of you know her, and I've met a lot of women who know her because they participated in her Ween Academy, which we discuss. Um, and it's just highlighting women around the world, giving them their flowers, encouraging them to do what they do. A wonderful mentorship program. Some of the graduates are amazing. Um, and then a lot of you know her because of her political affiliation. Uh, her father's a congressman. Her family, she comes, by the way, by, by way of background, I like, let me keep it a buck. Like, that's her family. She comes from a political family. Daughter of Congressman G.K. Butterfield, politician Jean Farmer Butterfield. Uh, she is a leader because uh, she grew up leading. She talks about this in said podcast. Now, let's be clear. She's always wanted to work in music. 
So I think it's beautiful as I've watched her career trajectory. She was an unpaid intern for a while for Wu-Tang, and then she moved on to do so much more. And I want to make sure I got that right. It was, oh no, it was for Russell Simmons. She was an unpaid intern for Russell Simmons at one point. But her story of how she hustled is absolutely amazing. And now here she is, co-president at the Recording Academy. At the Recording Academy. Let me be clear. Let me not talk over that. Get your notes. Get your, not even your notes. Get your pen and paper and take notes is what I'm trying to say because this is an education. Welcome, Valicia Butterfield-Jones to Naked. I would look at you and say words to describe you. Professional, beautiful, elegant, seemingly has it all, right? And no one does, but you do. You carry yourself with this je ne sais quoi that suggests I I don't know if I should be here with you people, but I'm going to hang because you guys need my elegance, but not in a bad way. But let me just upgrade the room. Let me just tell everybody how great I am. Um, and it's a beautiful thing to witness, um, especially as a brown woman. I, I really, I really uh, admire what you have been able to accomplish, but I have to get the Genesis story. Uh, you grew up in a political household. Tell uh, the listeners what that looks like in, in, in your family, more about your family. Well, first, Carrie, I can't start this conversation uh, without first just honoring the queen that you are. And I know we throw the word queen around a lot, but truly to be in your presence is to be in the presence of greatness and royalty. And I, and I mean that when I say that, like you elevate every room and I feel like I match your energy <laughs> when I'm in here. And, and I mean, it. <laughs> and so it was an honor to even be invited to have this conversation, but more importantly, to just be in community with you. And when I think of right. the power of community, the power of being a Black woman in 2022, I'm reminded of just, you know, exactly what you just said, my upbringing, my family. I grew up in a small town in North Carolina that you've probably ne never heard of. It's Wilson, North Carolina, to two parents who were and are elected leaders. My dad's a United States member of Congress. Before that, he was a judge, a Supreme Court judge. My mom served in, in the North Carolina State Legislature. But what a lot of people don't know is that my grandfather was the first Black elected official in the state of North Carolina post-Reconstruction. And so- I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. And so when I say, you know, politics and service runs deep, it's all I know. And so, yeah, that's how it all began. I mean, I remember, you know, people knocking on our doors, ringing our doorbell at 2 a.m., wanting advice, wanting support, wanting, you know, or just needing things that our family fortunately was able in a lot of cases and times to provide. And so, you know, the service part of what I do is not at all lip service. It's real. And it's something that is just yeah. a core value for me. So. And I know that, and we'll get into the work that you've done in the community, the thousands of lives you've changed, the the many people that you've honored with your former Academy Ween. And but when you say someone's knocking on the door in the middle of the night in this town, how small is this town that you speak of, and what kind of help were they looking for when they came knocking on the door? So by size, we're talking, you know, maybe in the city, Forty thousand, maybe in the county, seventy thousand. But you know, if you do the math on that, we're talking in the eighties and nineties when I grew up. The population of Black folk, right, that looked like us, was was relatively small, and so we all knew each other. I mean, I couldn't go on a date or go to the store without, you know, my parents getting five phone calls about, oh, that she's with that boy, or she's, 
she's over here. And so it's a very small town. And so what it looked like were, were just people, right? From from neighbors to, you know, kids that I went to school with, their parents just saying, my son was just wrongfully incarcerated. Can you help? Mm. Right? Did mm. not like things like that. And so I remember vividly still, right, getting those calls and, and hearing those knocks on the door and never once did my parents say no. Not once. Mm. I can't recall a moment that my parents said no, but instead they went right to action to do what they could. Growing up like that, knowing that that was service was just a part of what you all did. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was just life. It was life, brushing teeth, washing face (laughs) and service. When did you realize that that's what you did instinctually without, without even being told? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny because I know I, I said the word service, but as I like really sit with the word, it felt less like service, right? Because we're talking about people like us, right? It's right. not them, like it's, it's our people. And Correct. so instead of service, it felt more like a responsibility. Like mm-hmm. there was there was no option, right? You can't be a person that cares in your community and see people that look like you going through a different experience than you are and you not feel this deep sense of responsibility to do your part. And so, you know, for me, I think, I don't know the day, to be honest, Carrie, it was just so inherently a part of my DNA. It's just how I showed up in life, right? It, it, it never clicked for me. It was just a part of how I operated and how I navigate through spaces. Just I, I do remember, this is a funny story. I don't know if this is the first time. I remember in fourth grade, um, the song Superwoman was out. If you look it up, you'll see there was Superwoman and a song that was big, big R&B hit. And I remember in fourth grade, there being like this tension between the boys and girls at school. And I remember if you call my friends, Tiffany Green is one. Um, In fourth grade, I organized a meeting on the playground of the girls in school, the black and brown girls in school. And we had a meeting and I said, all right, we're going to start the meeting off by singing Superwoman. I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And so we sang the song. And then we had like, like I had an agenda and we had a real meeting about what the girls were going to do to take back our power. And so, you know, I mean, stuff That's like that. That's fourth grade. I, in fourth grade, I was like, can we exchange Lunchables? Like you oh. up here, like, let's gather. Oh, let's gather our edges. <laughs> and get to it. <laughs> now, I do remember that random fourth grade example, but it's just it's just what we do. Oh, man. Well, that is a beautiful thing because I can see that. Anyone who knows you is like, that sounds right. Yeah, fourth grade. I got perhaps second grade. You're just forgetting a memory. Um, so then you, you have this, and it's not... Um, well, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe you have this this calling on your life. It's evident. You have this family that's doing remarkable things and you are set aside. You're set apart. When you walk in the room, they know who your father is. They know who your mom is. They know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this funny story one time. I remember talking to Roland um, one time and I, I didn't know he knew you, but, uh, but everyone knows it. Roland Martin. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Roland Martin. Who knows everybody? Sorry, I'm talking very casually to the folks listening. And I was like, you know, my friend, da da da. He was like, "Uh, excuse me, do I know her? Yes, I do. Do you know her?" And he had to give me the whole history. Like he was like getting gathering me because I wasn't giving it its respect. And I was like, "That's a beautiful thing." So here you go through high school, 
probably, again, just set apart. People know who you are. Uh, you You have it in your sphere to help others and you get to Clark and and you decide when you graduate from high school and you enter college, what is it that's the dream job? What is it that you think oh, you want to do? That's easy. I wanted to be a music executive. I mean, from probably that same age, fourth, fifth grade, I knew so clearly that I wanted to work in the music business, but it felt like a, a real dream, like an unattainable dream. And so I literally chose Clark Atlanta University because it was Hotlanta. Freaknik era, so so deaf, right? Era where, you know, you had to move to Atlanta if you wanted to work in the music industry and be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a fact, right? It's kind of like LA now, Atlanta still too. But at that time, we're talking 96, right? You, you If you wanted to make it in music, you had to move to the A. And so mm-hmm. I remember telling my parents this elaborate story. I'm, I'm on a very serious law school track. I planned to enroll at Clark Atlanta University and major in political science, which I did. And I got to Atlanta and I mean, it. I hit the ground running. I mean, uh-huh. there was nothing and no one that would have stopped me at 18 years old in 1996 to work in the music industry, but me. I knew if it didn't happen, it would, it would be my own, like my own doing. And so, yeah, so, so it started then as early as fourth and fifth grade and 18 was like the window in Atlanta for me to go get it. So what does that look like? You get to Atlanta, girl, because I live in Atlanta. And I would like to tell you that when I got there, I was focused. I lost all focus. It was too many black folks, too many fine men running around. I was like, ooh, I'm glad I am kind of an adult because I was out there. I was like, ooh, Atlanta, I love it, I love it, I love it. So here you are in college and you're about to be in the music industry with your cute self. So was there was any was there any work done? <laughs> It was because, okay, so I'm 18, young, single, ready to get in the Atlanta party. Get in the Atlanta (laughs) And did it successfully, but but I knew to stay, right? If I, like I had my eye on the end goal, which was to land a job, right? So for sure, I was in the parties. I was for sure outside dating, living my best life, doing what we do. And, and still I knew my end goal and end game was to land a job. And so I remember the end of my first semester at Clark, you know, I've convinced my parents that I'm on this very serious law track and I walked physically carry miles and miles and miles to the Wu-Tang store because Wu-Tang Clan, biggest group in the world at the time had a store on Peachtree Street in Atlanta. And I walked from, let's say, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. to go give my best elevator pitch to them on why they should hire me on the spot. Wow. Wow. That happened. I mean, five foot. So I'm telling my age, right? This is 96. So no cell phone, no Uber. Five foot. You like just four hours. I'm walking. I'm walking until I get to this address on Peachtree Street. And I did. And the door was locked. They were done for the night. I broke down in my cheap outfit on the ground on the sidewalk crying hysterically um because Aww. one now evening two the doors are closed so i feel like i played myself and three like who do you think you are Are you from wilson north carolina out here trying to work for wu-tang clan and so in my mind in that moment i felt like i was basically chasing a pipe dream 
And I'll never forget in that moment, trying to figure out with tears in my eyes what I was going to do. But I walked back, I got to figure it out. And I stayed there and I was like, I'm just going to wait until someone comes. And I was willing to wait until the next day. And honestly, Carrie, in less than 30 minutes, someone came down and opened the door to leave, opened the, the locked, like lights out store to leave. And I gave my best elevator pitch and I was hired on the spot. Oh my God, that story gives me chills. Oh my God, I love this story. We that don't is, hear stuff like that no more. Like, I, 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 listen, I know. we are the same age. We, I get the hustle. Like I'm walking, I'm doing whatever it takes to get whatever it takes. And that's okay, the thing. So, yeah, so it's, it, this is before sliding in DMs, going to LinkedIn yeah, yeah. and right, like nope. meeting somebody. To, like it was hardcore hustle and, and yeah. finally landed the role. So who was it that opened the door and what was the job? The guy's name, gosh, you take me back 24 years. I think his name was Mecca. I hope I'm getting that right. I'm sorry if you're out there and I'm getting your name wrong, but he managed them. And opened the door and I remember, you know, he was just walking out to leave for the evening. And I remember kind of dusting myself off, standing up again, right? This is after a four hour walk at night and I look, (laughs) you know, you know, and I basically said, hey, yeah, disheveled. And I said, I'm in Atlanta for college. I want an opportunity to work for, for you. I'm willing to do it for free as an unpaid intern. I just want a shot to prove to you why I should work for Wu-Tang Clan. And he said, I, he said, tell me more about yourself. Do you have a resume? No, I don't. I don't have a resume. I have no job experience other than working for Foot Locker in high school. But I can promise you no one is going to work harder than me. And he mm-hmm. said, I'm doing better and hired me on the spot with pay. And mm-hmm. so I worked for there for over a year and literally became kind of like the promotion assistant and, and really found my way from that first opportunity. Um, now, first and foremost, we're on our way. So we get the job. We're going to be a music executive. It only makes sense. The first job I go after, I get. And so how quickly did you learn? Because one thing I've noticed that some people's emotional IQ, I hire people a lot and they don't have the emotional IQ to live in the world they think they want to live in. They don't read the room. They don't understand how there is a persistence waiting outside for six hours high. And then there is a need to know to pull back, right? Like you're going too quick. You're going too quick. And I used to get scolded all the time for that. Like when I would want to follow reporters around, like local news reporters here and literally here in LA that are still working. I used to be like, can I follow you around? They'd be like, chill out little girl but i was just so excited mm-hmm. what did you learn right away uh in this position that you obviously didn't necessarily have experience for but he liked your he liked your hustle i'll say i learned three things the first is to never be too big for the small jobs mm. like i would w- literally in my toyota camry drive to mm-hmm. atlanta hartsfield airport and pick up db D, um odb and Method man. I mean, literally, and they would pile into my Toyota Camry and I would drive them wherever they needed to go. Right. Things like that. Hilariously beautiful and amazing. My dad still has that car, by the way. No one knows. Who you are the the chief today. My dad still has that car, by the way. Um, But but that's what I would do in my navy blue Toyota Camry. Do airport pickups, coffee runs. I mean, whatever needed to be done that 
was, of course, within scope of the role I would do. Right. And so there was that. Never be too big for the small jobs. Um, Second thing I learned was probably to just it only takes one. Yes. But you got to go get it. Right. And and so often we are so sad and devastated by the nose, but it just takes one. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing I'll say that I learned is that. And this is unpopular opinion, but you have to listen more than you speak. When you're starting out, right, I I was so aware that I didn't know what I was doing, that I had to be a sponge, like you said. Like, I literally had to immerse myself in the environment and learn the landscape before I could contribute in a way that was unique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the sponge and the listening more than I spoke, again, unpopular opinion, right? But not in a way that you shrink, but in a way that you're just observant enough to know all right, here's my opening and here's how I add value. Okay, first of all, that is a word, even to this day, even in the beginning, even to this day, like even every position you take, every new role I get, every new show I do, I should be listening to what the hell's going on, even though I know. It never, that, to me, that last bit of advice never changes. Okay, so I don't want to jump. I'm, I'm taking forever. I don't want to jump. I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm jumping ahead. Uh, so you you get this gig, you graduate from Clark Atlanta, and when you graduate, what is, because there are so many people, especially with my, my, my foundation, these girls are like, I got to have a job as soon as I graduate. I got to make money. I got to, like, no one wants to un- enjoy the ride and realize that you're not going to be, myself included when I graduated, you're not going to make this money. You're not going to have this nice title right away. Get yeah. the experience. Get the effing experience. So you graduate from Clark and what are we doing? Are we managing Michael Jackson yet? Are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? I work with Mike Tyson. At the time, heavyweight champion of the world in a, you know, how'd you get that gig? How'd you get that gig? There was, so there were a few people in my life at the time. Shawnee Jackson is one. And you may know Shawnee, but Shawnee worked, managed um, Mike at the time. And they hired me just as an assistant, kind of office manager. Um, She and Robin. um, So Shawnee and Robin hired me at the time. And I worked for them for about a year for Mike Tyson. And graduation came for Clark. And I remember... And this goes back to fear and confidence. Every insecurity that I had in that moment. And at this point, I had four years of working in some sort of entertainment space crept in still. And it said, there's no way you're going to do this for real. Right. After graduation, there's no way you're going to have a real career with longevity in this space. And you need to get focused and get serious. This is what I'm telling myself and my parents at the time and go to law school. And so instead of continuing my job and my career in music and entertainment, I quit and I went to law school for a year. Mm. Now, do you know what you like? Do you know what incredible confidence you have to have to walk away from something that you love and adore and not worry about what people say? Now, if it would have been at this time of social media, would you have felt like you had to prove yourself? Because I feel like then everybody didn't have to, you didn't have to announce what the hell you were doing. You don't Not have to. I, I, I deal with that now. At the time, you're a college student still. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so I think it's expected at graduation, you may make a sudden pivot or move. So I, at that time with social media, I don't think I, it would have been as big of a deal because I was so much more interested in pleasing my parents and wanting to make them proud. Okay. And but then that's Yeah. And at that stage, going to law school would do that. 
oh, they were the happiest they've ever been. I mean, it was, so, a law school, it was the law school they attended and the college where they met. So they were happy. So you go to law school. Yep. Is it what you want? From day one, Carrie, I knew it was a mistake. I broke out. My face was covered in bumps. My hair started thinning and falling out. Um, and I knew the first day I had made a mistake. But it wasn't until 9-11 when the Twin Towers were hit that year while I was sitting in class that I said, all right, I got to live. And I walked away mm. after that year. But 9-11 actually happened while I was sitting in law school in a contracts class. And we watched the second tower get hit. For true story. We watched the second tower get hit on TV. And I made up my mind that day that I was going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And do what? Go to New York and follow my dreams. That was it. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm already <laughs> nervous. I know the end result, but I'm nervous. This is a real story. I'm going through the, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Okay, so we're quitting. So we got to make the call. I'm nervous. So we call our parents and what do we say? I'm nervous. I already know what happens. I mean, you seem to work out. You seem to get your stuff together. <laughs> but I'm nervous. So we call dad. We call the congressman. Dad, no, I don't. I lied. I said, mom, dad, I have a clerkship with a judge in New York. I'm going to go up to New York for the summer, sleep at Sabrina's house on her couch and work for this judge for the summer. And I'll be back for my second year of law school. Okay. So, when, so I went to New York. I went to Sabrina's house in Brooklyn, Crown Heights to be exact, uh, slept on her couch. And uh -huh. she said, girl, what are you going to do? And she worked for Court TV at the time as a producer, uh, like a production assistant. She was just two months ahead of me. And I thought to myself, surely I'm going to find a job. I have a college degree. I have one year of law school. I know a couple people now. And it took six months for me to finally land my first job. And my parents were done. They cut me off financially. They said, I made the biggest mistake of my life. Everyone in law school, including the dean, blowing up, you know, the phones, just trying to find me and locate me. True story. And I was up in New York trying to figure it out. Chills. I love this story. We need a Lifetime movie. Okay, this is the part where you can, you know, fast forward that button. 15, 15, 15 or 30, 30, 30, whatever it is. Commercials are coming up. Your girl has to be paid. But so they're here. Forgive me. I, I give you guys this direction every week. Uh, on the other side of the break, Valicia Butterfield-Jones. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. 
lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was... And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked, we Listen, these commercials get on my nerves too. Thank you for fast forwarding through them. And welcome back to Valicia Butterfield Jones. I understand the weight of disappointment from people you care deeply about. And I understand the pressure of feeling like you need to succeed because you've always been ahead of the game your entire life. You know, first in class, when you're in high school, class president, home, all the things, all the titles you get that say, this kid is going to do something. This kid is going to be special. So then you, by the way, there is nothing more important than passion and knowing what you've been called to do. So I say that hands down. So I, I'm nervous because you got to tell your parents, but I already know you obviously kicking ass now. So then you get your first job, you call them up, you're like, yo, this is what I'm doing. And they say, uh, so we talked to the Dean of the law school and they agreed for you to spend a year, take a year off. (laughs) And if it doesn't work out for you, which we don't expect that it will that soon, you're able to return back to law school. Okay. And it was like a kick in the stomach. Like, they don't even believe in me. Like, what what am I doing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think for me, it it started 
in New York with a company called the Gersh Agency, an agency that represents a lot of big actors and, and actresses and talent. That was an unpaid internship. Um, I'll tell the story fast. There was a an older agent there who just saw me like busting my butt for free. I was the first person there, last person to leave every night. You know the story. Every person's grind. And one day he said, hey, I, I heard about a role at HBO that you'd be great for. Would you consider taking on the role? And I was like, I'll interview for it. Four interviews later, I land a role at HBO Sports Boxing because, of course, nice. I, have, I have boxing experience on my resume because of Mike Jason. Yes, because so, I work with Mike. Yeah. Uh-huh. So HBO Boxing, I'm reporting to the president of the, the group. And my first damn role, he was let go. He was no longer with the company. And so oh, then I was floundering around HBS Sports trying to figure it out. And la- finally, I landed with Carrie Davis, who to this day is a friend and mentor. And Carrie Davis was the president um, soon after of HBO Sports. He's now, I think, at Howard University running their sports program. But Carrie was the one that really guided and mentored me um, until I was able to land the next role, which ended up being with Def Jam Enterprises. And um, um, Russell Simmons organization in music where I spent seven years. And so that was kind of like the entry, Carrie. But honestly, I can't tell you how many nights and mornings I cried. Mm-hmm. I heard the word. I probably heard no, no exaggeration, 200 times, 300 times before I even got the Gersh agency. Yes, for an unpaid yeah. internship. Yeah. <laughs> Because it, everyone, and then it's interesting because everyone's not entitled. Everyone thinks they are. I don't know. I, 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 you and I are of that same school. Like I said, we grew up the same way in terms of like nothing is given, everything is earned. Nothing, yep. I can't easily go and knock on your door because LinkedIn helped me out. Everything is so yep. much more convenient nowadays. And while that's great, it still takes away from that work ethic. Like I'm still hustling no matter what. And the beauty of your career, as I look and I'm going down my research, shout out to Peyton Wilson, little young brown girl on the team, and she's doing her hard work. Good for her. But I'm looking at all the research. And as you're telling me this, I know I'm like, okay, okay, this is the HBO story. Okay, with the president. Okay, I got it. I got it. Um, But I I noticed how you've been able to vacillate Mm. and not even in a bad way, but it's very few people who have a skill set that works in different industries. Mm-hmm. You have been able to go from sports, from Mike Tyson to music to tech to mm-hmm. um, obviously politics. Like you've lived in every world at a high level functioning. What mm-hmm. is the skill set that you have that allows you to go from working? Well, Russell Simmons for however many years, and I get now because he was a lot of these people are politically connected. But then, you know, you obviously have your parents' background where they were, you know, obviously politicians still are. How did you get to Obama? How did you become the national youth vote director for the Obama for Obama administration, his campaign in 2011 and 2012? Uh, and and live in that world. How where'd that come from? Were you still at Russell Simmons' place living and chilling and working with him? Not his place per se, because he's canceled, yes. but you know what I mean. If you Uh, have something to say, blink. But if you don't, we'll move on. I meant like, how are you working with Russ? And I and I know Russ, so I I I say that in jest. I say that in jest. I know. Um, I'll tell you exactly how it happened. I'm in my office one day on Seventh Avenue, and I got the call from upstairs. We had two floors. 
I'm on the 42nd floor, the 43rd floor called and said, Hey, you know, we can't make it to this event tonight for, um, um, and a, a politician in the city. Can you go? And I said, sure. Why not? So I go to this event. I mean, not prepared jeans, sneakers, whatever. And I show up and I'm introduced that night to a freshman senator from Illinois who was mm. opening for the, for the evening that no one was talking to. So we're in this car dealership, you know, fundraiser type of political event. I'm walked over to this guy that, again, no one is talking to. And it's Barack Obama. And we were introduced in that moment. We had a five minute conversation about hope and change and, you know, the, the direction of our country and needing the entertainment industry more involved in driving change. And I said, all right, well, here's my card. Let's definitely talk and figure out, you know, ways to support youth engagement for the upcoming election. Had no idea that he was even interested in running for office in that moment. Five minute conversation. Sure enough, a few months went by and I got a call from a gentleman named Rick Wade, who ended up working for President Obama's campaign. And he said, hey, we're really trying to get young people activated. You know, we know that you know a lot of people. You work in the music space. Could you help us? And the first person, and I said, yes, I volunteered again, unpaid. Now I have this fancy job in music, still volunteered unpaid for um, Barack Obama's campaign. Again, this is when no one thought he could win. I mean, this is like month one, month two of his campaign and no one was really into it. Or I shouldn't say that. No one yet. No, but really- you didn't. It didn't pop yet. I know what you're talking about. Then one day you're like, oh, this is possible. I get what you're saying. And I remember picking up my phone one day. There, are, You yeah. call them and ask them. And I called Randy and Maverick. And I said, hey, there's this guy that I'm volunteering for named Barack Obama. He's a freshman senator from Ohio, uh, from Illinois. He's um, really a real serious contender, but we have to get behind him. And Ohio is a key battleground state, as you know. Would you consider mm-hmm. participating in a rally in Akron or Cleveland yeah. just to get young people invite, uh, engaged? And they said yes. Shout out to Maverick Carter and Ernie Ramos, a.k.a. Randy. Go ahead. It was it was Ernie, right? Right. It was Ernie. Or OK, I'll okay, make sure. Ernie pulled up. Randy pulled up in a pickup truck with LeBron. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Down center in Cleveland for this rally that we were hosting. And there were just a couple hundred people there. And they were the <sighs> first to say yes to me when I was volunteering unpaid for, at the time, Senator Barack Obama. And so, long story short, he won the election um, the night before the election. We were all in North Carolina. He said, you know, we're going to call you if this happens. And sure enough, I ended up getting the call once he was elected as the first black president of the United States. And so the, the the lesson here for me is one, your relationships really matter. Just be good to people. Um, the second is again, never to be too big for the small jobs. I volunteered for free because I just believed that this Senator from Illinois could make it. And I need, everybody know, and I- to, take a, I need to take a moment because I'm getting so full off this story. It's true. You, literally are at the, I mean, the foundation of our first black president. You are working like foundational steps for our very first black president because there will be more. And you just talked to this freshman senator. Nobody was chatting when you're like, what up, what up, what up, what up? Like, and he saw it and he knew it and he was impressed and he knew you had it. Like, does that not give you chills? And it was genuine. I didn't. Oh, yeah, he's a. 
and and nor did I expect anything in return. Yeah. If I didn't get the call, I was okay with that. You know why? Go back to this beginning of this conversation, if y'all listening. She had services in her blood. That's all she knew. And that's when you really get the blessings because it's genuine. It's authentic. Like, you've been doing that. And, and it wasn't anything in return. When they knocked on your parents' doors at 1.30 in the morning, what y'all need? We go help. We mobilize. You need help? Yeah. We'll mobilize. There's such a beautiful group of women and men that we know. Like, we, we obviously run in the same worlds, but... There are so many of us who have so many wonderful connections that can really change the world. And yes. when I hear you tell the story and you talk about Maverick and Ernie and Randy, rather, I love this because you see how it all comes full circle and their success and what they've been able to achieve and your success and what you've been able to achieve. And I'm just so blown away because it's all in the family. It's all in the family. All in the family. And Carrie, it's not transactional. These are real right? These are not contacts. It's not networking relationships, right? Like I know if I ever needed to call you, Carrie, I could. Of course. Yes. And, and same here. And, and with zero expectation of anything in return, same thing with Randy. And they, they didn't want anything back. They were just being good people who believed in a vision. And so I think, you know, now we've, as a society, have become so focused on like, networking, deal making and figuring it out. And it's like, no, just be good people who contribute to the world and to this universe. And I promise you it's going to come back tenfold. I Okay. Crazy story. Um, I, I go, I have so much to say. We ain't got, we ain't got two hours. This would be a two hour podcast. We're going to do part two later where you said we could, but we'll, so we, let's go to <laughs> naked after dark. I don't know what we'll call that. Then in between all of the things, because we can't just do one thing. And I will, I will say this. You mentioned these things like they're not a big deal, but I hope you understand that you do sit back because I feel like I do that too. I accomplish things and it's just check, 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 next check, next check, next check. Okay, I did that. That's great. Yeah, no, check, check, check. I rarely just relish in what has been accomplished or what is happening or where I've come from. And that's so, that's unfortunate. Right. That's the part I don't like. So that's why I'm here to praise you, because this is a beautiful. I literally have chills. This is a beautiful story. Now, in between of being uh, being great, you create this wonderful academy. 2007, I believe, is when you created Ween. I know. Right. It's a little shout out to Ween. Let me pour a little out for the homies because I'm drinking rosé. You at work. I don't know what you're doing. I think for Ween today. Okay, good. Okay, so. Tell everyone about Ween in the process of changing the world. You decide what? So once I finally broke into the music industry in New York, I looked around and I said, it should not have been this hard. <laughs> like, why was it this hard to work for free? And so, <laughs> by the way, um, and so that's literally how Ween began, which stands for the Women in Entertainment Empowerment Network. And it was just, me and three friends in my one bedroom apartment in New York um, saying to ourselves, you know, now that we're in, right, we all worked in music. We all have found our, our space and music and, and TV. And we said, let's just make it a little bit easier for the, for the next generation. And so we started this organization, a, a nonprofit focused on access and educating the next generation of young women leaders. And, and keep in mind, I was not by title, a boss yet, right? Like I'm still in a cubicle at the time, not making a lot of money, but I felt again, this sense of 
great responsibility to make the path a little bit straighter and a little bit easier for the next generation. So 86,000 women went through the program. Uh, There's a placement rate in the entertainment industry of over 80%. Gia Peppers and Baralon Diaz and you name it. Um, Courtney Whitaker. I mean, there's so many amazing women who we know now as our peers, by the way, who started who started in that program. And so I'm really, really proud. You started to have the Ween Awards and they grew into something very special and you honored so many people. I'm grateful to be one of them. But the year that I went and I was honored, I was really blown away at the the level of Black excellence that was there. And I was just like, Felicia's on her show. Like this is, this is again, the relationships. It's not networking, it's relationships, truly caring about people. I cannot emphasize that enough. Gosh, because you're so right. Because you meet people in passing and depending on your mood or your day, you never know what that means. But remember, that might be a relationship you want to foster and however you want to foster it. It doesn't have to be, girl, let me call you every day or guy, let me reach out to you. And it's just if it, the world's work. Hey, Carrie, I'm working on something. I think you'd be great for it. Hey, Felicia, someone asked me, it's a real life story. Marianne Williamson, who ran for president, right? Which was a different, you know, in 2020, right? Not... For say what you want, but it was bold of her to even do it as a woman. It was a very full, crowded field, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so I bumped into, I have, I read all her books. Before she even ran, I read all her books. And I thought that there was things there about her that made sense, but things that just didn't make sense for obvious reasons. And so I bumped into her on a plane. This is a true story. And she's talking to me about different people. And I was like, you know, you should meet my friend, Valicia. I said that just in passing. I mentioned you. I mentioned Latasha Brown. I mentioned... Um, who else did I, who else did I, oh, my friend Aaron, who works with, it's just a b- bunch of women that I thought she could talk to just in life as she was seeking advice about what's next. And it's true relationships because that's how I see you. And you, you live in this world and I'll text you about that after this. And you live in this world and I watch you just change everything. And it's just excellence upon excellence upon excellence. So then I bump it to bump into you at a dinner or a luncheon, maybe the essence was it the Essence Black Women in Hollywood? Might have been Netflix. I don't know. You were contemplating. Essence Black Women. Yes, it was. But you were contemplating a job change. Yes. So at the moment, I don't think you were at Google yet, but you had been offered a very, or you had been entertaining a high profile job in sports. You Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Do I do remember? Can that. we talk? Can we talk about that and how we ended up at Google? And, and if my if my timeline is off, correct me. It might be a little off. Uh, no, it is a little off. But the but the the meat is right. Right, the meat is there. And and you know it's crazy because I remember I've received a few really big CEO level offers now from big brands. One in sports that you mentioned, and I've turned them down or not continue the conversation because my peace means so much more to me now than any check or title that I've ever had. And I fought so hard in life to be in a space now where I can say no. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. about all the no's I've heard in my life. Yeah. And now yeah. I have freedom and the agency to of choice and it feels so good. Right. And and it's not that I don't need the money. I do. I'm not rich. You know, I can't stop working Same. today. I need all my bars. I need all my bread and baskets. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and revenue streams, but not 
at the expense of my peace. And so, I, let me get my red cup too. And so, yeah, girl, please, because yeah, we won't put this on. They won't. They never have me sipping. This little part we use it is just this little part. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. The fact that both red cups is hilarious. It's called living this life that we live. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you really you've turned down a lot of positions, which I know because you know what it would require. What it would require, what it would do. I ask questions now in interviews like, "What level is the most senior ranking black person in your organization?" Mm. Literally feel the energy change, and they like, "Oh, let us get back to you on that." I mean, I ask now, right? And I ask like those difficult questions that I didn't have the confidence to ask before because I just wanted it so bad. And so you can remove the expectations. You can remove back to your earlier point, Carrie, about like what people would think or say, like, you know, the, the role I have now is amazing. I feel happy. I feel poured into, I feel valued. And I've had roles that are way bigger in title, right? Would, like would blow y'all's minds. Like if I took that thing and as I've said no, because again, I'm in a space in my life in my 40s now where I refuse to live my life unhappy. I don't want to get up every day and go to a job that I don't enjoy. I don't want to take a check when I know I have people breathing down my neck that don't respect and value me. And so I feel so blessed. <laughs> and well, right. And I know I earned it. Right. right? I now I've earned the right to say no unapologetically. <laughs> You are saying the right things, but you also believe them. Oh, people, yeah. can't, people can't understand why you walk away from what seems to be the great for something that doesn't have that big as big platform or big title. And it's, it's exactly what it is. You don't respect me. You don't value me. Why sit here and pretend like I'm valued or respected? Who wants let's that? Not, let's not play games, right? Like in life, in love, like, like in people love will, and in life. In love. Like people will guilt you into a yes. People will shame you into a yes. Or they'll just make you feel like you should have some sense of loyalty and gratitude for even having the opportunity to work with them or be with mm -hmm. them. And mm. it's actually a no with an exclamation point. It's a hard, hard no. no. <laughs> okay. It's a hard no now. And, 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 and without, like, without, like, with, with confidence, but not arrogance. It's just, I know my boundaries now. Period. I, that is a beautiful place to be. I think where I'm at is I agree with you 100% cosine. I, you know, you've seen me do it, cosine. Yes. I think yes. that what I don't like doing or what I don't like feel, I don't feel like doing is explaining that to anybody. I almost feel like if you don't get it, you don't get it and you won't get it till it's time. It's one of these yes. things that you can't explain to people. Like, well, what happened? Well, I don't want to explain it. You won't get it until you get there. And by yes. the way, getting to that point, is a blessing. Ooh, it's a blessing to say, no, thank you. I'm going to choose me and do something else. Like that is a blessing. People don't even have that luxury because they're not that wanted, desired, or qualified. Uh, and period. I still like it. Okay. So in 2016, you're at Google, Global Head of Women and Black Community Engagement. Well, and it is all inclusion for, for say the all brand. inclusion for the whole brand. Okay. So tell me, give me the exact title at Google. What was it? Global Head of Inclusion. 
So you take this gig, and I think I remember talking to you being like, do you have to move up north, up north as in Northern California? Did you have to? What was your commute like? No, it started in New York, and then they um, allowed me to transfer to the L.A. office about three years in. I was there for almost five years. Okay. New York and and L.A., but but with teams across Asia, APAC, EMEA out in London, parts of Africa, in Latin America, and in the U.S. So I had a huge global team across the world, but I was based in the final years in L.A. What were you able to implement while you were there that you were like, this is the I'm accomplished. I'm accomplished something that, that that's why I came here to do this. There were a lot of things, but one of the things that I'm most proud of was the State of Black Women um, Summit. For the first time ever, I convened all Black women employees from across the globe in one mm-hmm. room. First time ever. And so we're talking at the time, I think it was around 1500 women, again, all black women employees in one room who had never met or even heard of each other before. And we brought in our girl, Elaine Welteroth, and we brought in a lot of great speakers and just made it amazing. And what I'm most proud of is not only did I um, co-found it um, with with a few other women, but it's still there. So they're actually going to have a big event at Essence in a couple of weeks. And so is still alive and breathing, but there were a lot of things. Um, we did, you know, Latinas at Google. We did a lot of programs that came out of it, but I'm most proud that that was a program that I was able to do for women that looked like me in a space where we felt at times very alone and like we weren't Mm -hmm. connected. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Look, and by the way, that's, when did you, when did you implement that program? That was probably 2018. And by the way, 18 years too late, whenever the hell Google started, but it's beautiful. And it took you to come in and do it. Like, you're still like, it's still too late, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know what I mean? Which is a beautiful thing. These first ever black moments. I don't, I I really, I really have a hard time celebrating the first black president of the Washington commanders. I, I can't celebrate that in 2020. I can't celebrate that in 2021. I'm just like, are we still doing that? Yeah. No more first. Like, let's let's get this the way normal. It's just what it is. So then you have this wonderful job that you have now. And the thing about you that I've noticed, even when you make your announcements, they're always done with this humility and class and it's not overstated. It's just like, oh, by the way, here you go. Just take a look. That's my thing. The mission continues. The mission, let me just drop that here. Just you guys go ahead and just do what you want with it. And I love that. And I and I actually have learned from you from that. It's like it doesn't always need to be announced. Oh, yeah. But by the way, like that's so gangster. You don't understand. Like you get a dope ass job and you announce it beforehand. And you're like, what about I announce it a month in? Hey, guys, I, I've been busy, but here you go. A little busy. <laughs> <laughs> that's on so purpose, by the way. I Oh, absolutely. It's on purpose. And it's brilliant. So tell everyone this new position that you you have won you won you actually graced them with your presence in 2020. You said, "Okay, yeah. I'm gonna let y'all have me." <laughs> so I serve now as the co-president of the Recording Academy, which is the home of the Grammy Awards. Um, I'm the first Black woman to serve in the role um, as co-president. I work um, for an amazing boss. His name's Harvey Mason Jr., who's the CEO and the co-president, Panos A. Panay. And it's a vibe like. A real vibe. You know, we the Grammys have been around for 65 years and I feel like the energy and the new legs of 
you know, the right person at the right time who's just like really driving big, major change. The things like an inclusion rider we developed for the first time ever in our 64 year history and implemented it for the Grammy Awards this year. So if you saw the show, you saw things like the most inclusive Grammy Awards you've ever seen. You saw Nas performing and you saw women on stage and you saw a stage ramp for um, creators with disabilities uh, on display. I mean, all of that boiled down to an inclusion rider that I helped develop and introduce for the first time ever and just lots of things like that. And so um, I'm in a good, good space right now and back to music, right? My first love. Yeah. And so it feels good. And, and it feels good to be in a president role because I've always been in the diversity space and the youth sure. space. So now I'm overseeing um, a big, big, big part of the organization. So I'm growing and learning and expanding a lot in the process too. Well, I, this year's Grammys, well, first of all, I'm, you know, I'm always IG stalking. And, you know, again, like I said, with your elegance, I'm like, she's stunned because she on everybody right now, everywhere with the new outfits and stuff and cute and fine. My thing is, I love to see us winning, but be fine as, as all get out while winning and making it just look so effortless. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with being just beautiful and smart. Like you can do all of that. And I'm still doing my job. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to not be all of the things. So, so we, we are in a lot of fabulous spaces, but I must say, um, I was able to be on the cover of Billboard magazine this year. Yes. I mean, yes. And I remember, shout out out to Andy Cox, who leads comms for the Academy. And I remember the day of the shoot, I mean, big, you know, it's all the things, right. And I'm, I'm Uh on the uh board with, you know, Harvey and Panos on my, uh, you know, uh, side by side. And, you know, I'm the only woman and I'm in the moment deciding, like, sh- I should just wear a suit. I should just ah, wear a suit. Ah. And, and just be easy and not do too much. And I remember Andy Cox and my mom, who you have to meet one day because she's the most fabulous person you've ever met, said, girl, if you don't put on that Tom Ford dress and that Versace belt and give them what they want to see and what makes you feel good and like a boss. And I did it. And. And I'm so glad I did because the world will have you shrink, right? Yeah. The world will have you reduce who you are and not show up in all of our femininity and all of our fabulousness and put on the heels, put on the dress, put on the extra 30 inch hair if that's what makes you feel good. And so, hey. right? Thank you. <laughs> and so I'm, and I'm still working through that because. For sure. It's hard. I I hear the comments, right? Like, and and I'm not social media comments. I hear the actual comments of people saying, oh, she does, she's doing too much. Or, you know, and it's just like, no, actually, I'm going to do more. I'm going to give you more. Because I'm not doing enough, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And especially when you're good at what you do, right? I've seen that in you. I've seen you give less because you don't want, not even because I think you don't want, I just think that that you feel like it's appropriate. Like, you know, if you grow up feeling like what has to be appropriate, you live in appropriate land. I don't know what's appropriate. So, and that's why I get so much pushback because I'm like, no, I'm gonna be cute. I don't know what to tell you. I'm fine. I'm about to be out here. I wow. see you I'm- then 
thank you. And then look, let me tell you something. I see you now. I'm like, oh, she's fine. And I'm here and I'm celebrating it. Know that you have a group of women who are celebrating you every time they see you beautiful. Here you are, a mother, wife. You have all these things going on. And you're like, Ice, I'm still celebrating me in my 40s and I'm bad. And I'm better than you women in your 20s and 30s, if, if I got to be honest. And like I, I, I have, I have, I'm better than the twenties and the thirties because I got my own bread. And I ain't tripping off of none of y'all, and I'm super confident. And I, and I, I do what I do. That's it. I do what I do. I ain't trying to figure it out. I do it. <laughs> so I celebrate all of your beauty. The most, like the most extra you want to be, the sexy you want to be, all of that. I'm here for all of that. And I do understand it comes with critiques, and you also have to be aware of the room and the positioning. But I love that yeah. you at the last minute decided for for documentation purposes, yes. Yes. Billboard magazine purposes, yes. cover. I want my great-great-grandkids to say, dang, she really lived out loud, period. She lived her life out loud and boldly and authentic, authentically. And so that's what I pray uh, will be the legacy that I leave. Valicia Butterfield-Jones, uh, Thank you so much for joining us on Naked. I I, I have a four hard four o'clock. It's four o'clock right now. I could talk to you. Part two is coming up. Naked after dark. Can we do that? Done. Say less. Say less. Say less. Say less. Couple of things, family. I'm gonna update y'all on Essence on the next podcast. I'm gonna tell you what happened, how the concert was, who sang really well and who didn't, and I have to just keep it a buck. I'll also tell you if I met any cute boys, but again, I'm dating <laughs> someone, so I'm not looking. And then I will also keep you posted on what else is going on in the world that may involve your girl that I haven't shared with y'all yet. I hope you've enjoyed this edition. I hope you leave inspired. That's all I care about. I hope you know that you got to use whatever you have to get what you want. I love that. It's ghetto. It's not appropriate English, but you got to use whatever you have to get what you want. And you can do it. Thanks for listening to Naked. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.